Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with your AEW edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again, and it is Thursday, so you know exactly what that means. We are here to talk all things AEW Dynamite and Rampage, covering the last week from that promotion. There is plenty to talk about today as Getting Over continues. It's WrestleMania 38 week. Yes, I know this is an AEW episode. We got to cover that as well. This is an absolutely loaded week here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. In case this happens to be the first episode you're listening to this week, you need to hit our archives because on Tuesday, we released our WWE WrestleMania 38 Ultimate Preview. On Wednesday, we released our NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. Of course, today we're talking about AEW, but we still have three more podcasts to go through Sunday on Saturday afternoon to start. We will have an NXT Stand and Deliver Instant Analysis Saturday evening, the WrestleMania 38 Night 1 Instant Analysis, and on Sunday evening, the WrestleMania 38 Night 2 Instant Analysis We'll also be coming back on Tuesday with our normal WWE episode where we will talk about the Raw after WrestleMania and the WWE Hall of Fame. So a ton of professional wrestling audio for your ear holes. We are basically not even at the midway point yet in this absolutely stacked week. So I would be remiss if I began this episode just as I do every other episode by reminding you that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is So be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave a five-star rating on Apple, also leave a review, tell people why they should subscribe to this show, tell them why you listen, why hopefully you believe this is the greatest wrestling podcast that's ever uh, been known to man, Uh, but more importantly and more seriously, you know, hit those five-star buttons, uh, leave those reviews. They are super, super important in helping us move up rankings, get more listeners. And of course, that is the goal of getting over to expand and grow and hopefully maybe one day make the Silver King and vintage Chris Vanini a little bit of money. Wouldn't that be nice? Also, folks, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. You will know every single time a new episode drops, you'll be able to vote in pre and post show polls, converse with us live during the major television shows, uh, you know, the air in North America weekly. And you can also send us DMs with questions, comments. You can tweet at us. There's every reason in the world, as I always say, to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. This is indeed the AEW episode. And, you know, I kind of want to give you a little quick overview uh, about my thoughts on what's going on with the company right now. I maintain the same thing I've said probably for, I don't know, two months running now, at least one month which is that Rampage to me is just becoming a little bit of a chore to watch, and it really shouldn't be. We see the quality of programming that they put on Dynamite, and it feels like they should be able to create Rampage as an extension of that, very similar to how WCW did with Thunder and WWE did with SmackDown back in the day. Instead of doing that, it feels like just a completely different show Even though I know they do the commentary live, it feels like it's taped, it's cut up and pieced together, Um, it's very jagged in that way, and it's also become this kind of 
repository almost for people that AEW knows should be on television, but they can't somehow fit into Dynamite because they're putting other things on Dynamite. For example, they just recently debuted Swerve and Keith Lee. And since they debuted, they've basically been relegated to Rampage. These are guys, these are two big ticket signings that you know you promoted heavily. They should be on Dynamite. They should be in significant storylines. Instead, they're just kind of around Rampage and and some of the other bookings on the show, uh, you know, between a, a 90 second women's match and some other things that are going on there, they're just really turning me off as a viewer. It's to the point now where, you know, I, I always taped Rampage because watching it live Friday at 10 just didn't fit in with my social schedule. But I would usually watch it the next morning on Saturday. It is now to the point where unless something happens on that show that is so important that I know as a fan that I need to watch it and I want to get up on it and I want to talk about it with people. I'm watching it Wednesday afternoons. Like I'm just knocking it out. You know, it's already DVR'd. I'm watching it in 35, 40 minutes, knocking it out before Dynamite, just so that in case something does factor over, such as this week, uh, Undisputed Elite, and that's something we'll talk about later, uh, stealing the tag team championships. So that way I knew, hey, this happened on Rampage and now it's connected to Dynamite. Dynamite, on the other hand, is consistently, of course, AEW's best program, but even it coming out of the last pay-per-view, it's trying to find its footing and it's struggling to do so because the two of the main storylines that are going on right now involving their world champion and their tag team champions are just straight up repeats of what they've done previously. Sure, there's elements to it that are slightly different, but it's the same people getting involved, the same people saving each other, and it's just ongoing. And I, I'm not exactly sure why AEW and Tony Khan right now are going in that direction. But let's get into uh, Dynamite and Rampage. We'll talk about everything that went down across both of those shows, and you guys can get a better idea and understanding of why I'm feeling this way. So on Dynamite, uh, it opened with CM Punk versus Max Caster. I believe two weeks in a row, CM Punk is opening the show. And to me, that is showing a concerted effort from Tony Khan. And, and this is not a, a criticism, but it's a concerted effort for him from him to make sure Dynamite gets over 1 million viewers. So he 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 wants to consistently have that ratings threshold, even though the demo, quote unquote, is the only thing that matters. It's very clear to me that by putting CM Punk first, by shoving the first hour full of as many former WWE people, named people, as he possibly can in back-to-back matches and segments, he is basically trying to capture this lead in audience that he gets from TBS, which is better than the one he had from TNT. He wants to capture as many of them as possible and keep them on watching as long as he possibly can to get that number above 1 million. Again, that's not a criticism. He It's his job to get the best ratings he possibly can. However, to me, it does feel at times as if now it's knowing exactly what to expect in that first hour. It's always going to be a CM Punk match or a Brian Danielson match or a John Moxley match leading off the show, where back in the day, not that long ago, we'd start the show with, let's say, the Young Bucks and another tag team in the ring, and we'd have a really hot match without commercial break. You know, But now he's using all these older names or former WWE names to kind of keep people glued to the screen as long as he possibly can. Again, not a criticism, but it is something that's noteworthy as far as I'm concerned. And it really does speak to the fact that one of the things that attracted me to AEW, and I think attracted a lot of people to AEW, was how many new names 
they had that I had not seen consistently, right? Uh, because they were mostly independent wrestlers. It does feel to me largely like a lot of these people are being pushed to the middle or back of the line, and we're not getting them in favor of seeing people that we've kind of already seen do these things uh, for a significant period of time. So let me continue with this, and, and maybe you'll, it's, it's really undisputed elite where I feel that more than anything else, but you know, certainly the first three people I'm going to talk about on the show are CM Punk, John Moxley, and Brian Danielson. Anyway, uh, Punk, Caster, two weeks in a row, Caster, I thought really delivered on the mic. Great line about Punk shitting his pants on a Z-Pack. Very, very solid. Uh, Caster hit a Fisherman's Buster, then ate a Hurricanrana. Caster half hit on like a draping springboard leg drop. He missed the mic drop. Punk hit a pile driver and won with the Anaconda Vice. Really nice match. Fine opener for the show. Tony Schiavone asked Punk why he made the title around the waist gesture last week as if Tony hasn't been in wrestling for three decades and doesn't know when someone does that, what it means. Punk said before his time on the AEW roster is over, he will be world champion. And I thought his promo was actually the best part of the entire segment. Uh, We also had John Moxley versus Jay Lethal on Dynamite. First on Rampage, Lethal talked about his only two losses being to Adam Cole and Ricky Starks, two guys who cheated to beat him. He said he needed to figure out a better way. So I thought they would follow up on that directly, given he had a match a couple days later, but they didn't. Mox hit a great lariat that turned Lethal inside out. Lethal twice escaped a paradigm shift and attacked Mox's injured knee, but Mox countered Lethal injection into a rear naked choke. Lethal nearly caught him in a pin. Then he hit a brain buster and his elbow drop for a 2.5. Mox countered a figure four and then hit the paradigm shift for the win. The finish was a bit sudden, but the match did a great job of getting Lethal over in a loss. Mox refused to shake Lethal's hand when the match started, but then he offered his own hand after the bell, which was kind of cool. I thought it was the best AEW match that we've had across the last couple of weeks, and I went four stars and an A. That might be a quarter star too high, but I did very much enjoy this. It's just that I thought we'd get a lethal promo coming out of it, kind of saying, man, another loss. I don't know what I'm doing. I got to figure something out. Instead, that thing that they set up on Rampage, they didn't follow through with on Dynamite, and to me, that was a little disappointing. Uh, We also had Brian Danielson versus Wheeler Yuta. William Regal accompanied Danielson, but he was not with Mox earlier. The goal of this match was basically to put Yuta over a little bit more. He got a lot of offense and countered cattle mutilation eventually into a seatbelt pinning combination for a near fall. Danielson eventually hit the running knee, stomped his face, hit a gotch pile driver, and won basically via knockout uh, with a label lock. There was no follow-up with Yuta and Regal and Danielson. I thought that was disappointing, given the prior confrontation with Regal after the tag team match, given the backstage interaction with best friends, I thought that we'd get more here as well, and we just did not. Uh, on Dynamite, MJF talked about Pinnacle dominating. He said Wardlow is out of the picture. Dax Harwood uh, said Wardlow is their friend, FTR's friend too. MJF said Wardlow used to talk shit about them all the time behind their back. Dax reluctantly put his hand in, you know, when they all did the, the cheer, I guess, to end the segment. There were also security alert printouts posted, apparently barring Wardlow from the arena. And I do like that element of storytelling. I did like that element of storytelling to the whole thing. Uh, So we had FTR versus Gun Club in a scheduled tag team match. MJF sat on commentary. FTR had NWO style tights, which were pretty cool. Billy Gunn took out Cash Wheeler at ringside. Somehow the referee did not see it at all. The Guns nearly won by holding Dax's leg during a pinfall. Wardlow was suddenly shown on a concourse beating up AEW security and powerbombing a dude into a table. I'm not really sure why that many security guys were in the concourse ready for him. That didn't really make sense. Finally, like a dozen security stopped him 
as he came down the stairs, but before he could get like to the ringside area. Billy jumped on the apron and interfered, and FTR won with the big rig. This was another really good showing from FTR, but this thing was far too chaotic for my taste. MJF tried to congratulate them after the match, but Dax threw his arm off and he started screaming. MJF then calmed them down and raised their arms to end the segment. FTR later cut a promo about winning the Ring of Honor tag team titles and then becoming the first two-time AEW tag team champions. Dax then challenged the Young Bucks to a rematch to determine the greatest tag team of all time. It was just a lot happening in one promo. It's like they're the AAA champions. They're talking about winning the Ring of Honor titles and going after the AEW titles. And now they randomly want to fight the Young Bucks. What does fighting the Young Bucks have to do with the previously stated desires? And they're also in the middle of this whole thing with MJF, which they don't even mention in the promo, and and Wardlow. And so it was just a lot that happened in, in this one kind of extended segment. And the other problem I had with this is, you know, the whole gimmick and idea of, you know, Wardlow being paid to sit at home and being barred from the arena, that should last at least like two, three, four weeks where you don't see the guy and everyone's asking, where is Wardlow? What's he going to do? How How is he stomaching this? Maybe he shows up in Ring of Honor considering Tony Khan owes that or owns that. I'm sorry. Um, there's so many different ways that you could do this. First, he gets stopped um, in the loading dock. Then he gets stopped backstage. Then he gets stopped on the concourse. Like you can lead up to this. Instead, it feels like they're pressing fast forward here when you have to believe the MJF Wardlow match is going to happen at double or nothing. It's going to be the next pay-per-view match. So I don't know why they're already having him back in the arena. To me, that's a very strange way to do it. On Rampage, we had Fuego del Sol. Uh, he was given promo time in the ring. He bragged about getting shots in and, and almost beating House of Black. Then he thanked the fans for believing in him. The lights went out. All three House of Black guys attacked him with Brody King hitting a Thunder Driver. Dark Order, I guess they were coming out for the save, but instead of saving the guy, they just slowly walked down the ramp to stare at them. And then they both parted the seas without fighting each other. House of Black is great, but AEW is like refusing to give them anything substantial, like two of these guys, presumably Kings of the Black Throne, they should be in tag team competition going after the championships. Buddy Matthews should be kicking some major ass. It just feels to me like this is another act that has kind of been forgotten about, and that's pretty disappointing. Dark Order is way, way beneath what House of Black should be doing. We also had Red Dragon against Alan Angels and Preston Vance on this show. The Heels won a nothing match with Chasing the Dragon. They barely got Two seconds into some extracurricular post-match stuff when, you guessed it, Jurassic Express made the save. Adam Cole then stole the AEW tag team titles as he did the world title last week. And AEW just then cut away from it as if a significant development of stealing the titles did not just happen. It was really high-level storytelling that we got there. And if you can't tell, that's me being sarcastic. So on Dynamite, we got the Undisputed Elite Championship Celebration. They all came out with their stolen titles. Cole said the actual champions aren't in the building because they're ashamed that their titles were taken. He said AEW needs a new crew to run the show, and they're the best that there is in the world. Hangman Adam Page then pulled into the arena with a Tesla that had horns on the hood. He cleared house. Jurassic Express attacked the heels from behind, and Cole eventually got dumped outside into Red Dragon, and the faces all got, got their titles back. I could not help but think, while listening to the Adam Cole promo, how tired the undisputed act has become. They ended it in NXT for a reason. 
And that reason was because it ran its course and probably went on too long. Like it overstayed its welcome in NXT. And these guys all transitioned to AEW. Uh, Bobby Fish got fired. The other two allowed their contracts to expire and signed with AEW. And it feels to me like they're just playing their greatest hits to even go back to basically a version of the name. And I presume they're going to start doing the hand signal again. And, and they've stopped doing all of the segments that also have the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler involved. So the whole thing just feels like, again, they're playing the greatest hits of NXT and doing Undisputed Era shit. Stealing championships is such a trite and boring storyline too, but at least the faces got them back at the end. I want to love this because I like all these guys, but everything about the feud feels repetitive. It's the same people doing the same attacks and saves. We're going to get title matches that are going to feel very much the same again. I'm just really not buying into the entire thing. On Dynamite, we had Darby Allen against Andrade El Idolo. This was the main event of the show. Andrade dominated outside. Darby hit him with his skateboard. Andrade turned the stairs sideways and put Darby into them. Darby pulled himself into the ring and he still wanted the match to happen. Andrade was in control after the bell for a good while until Darby hit a code red. Darby had Andrade possibly ready to submit when Butcher and Blade ran down, so he ignored the opponent and splashed them. Andrade threw him into the turnbuckles and hit the hammerlock DDT for the win. There was, of course, a post-match attack on Darby. Uh, Sting tried to make the save. Private Party came down. And of course, the Hardys made the save, just like happens every week. Despite the heels having a clear, I think, five or six on three numbers advantage, the Hardys stood tall at the end after a twist of fate and a swanton bomb. This was probably Andrade's first major important win after 10 months in AEW. And for him to get that win, it took a pre-match attack, a ton of interference. And then they basically immediately overshadowed the win with the attacks and the Hardys. But it was a really hot ending to the show. Using the Hardys that way, I went 3.5 stars and a B for the match. Entertaining for sure. But this story with the same people, again, we just talked about it. It's getting really repetitive and it keeps going and going. Everyone here needs something that they can sink their teeth into a bit more. And I do think one of the reasons why we're having these issues is Scorpio Sky being the, the uh, I almost called him the NXT champion, the TNT champion. It seems to hamstring the mid-card division a little bit. Plus, Jurassic Express as the tag team champions seems to be hamstringing things also a little bit. So uh, there just needs to be some refreshing done. And honestly, it can't come soon enough. On Rampage, uh, there was an FTW championship match. Ricky Starks against Swerve Strickland. Two strong promos ahead of the main event from these guys. Swerve hit a diving elbow to the back of Starks' head and a leaping flatliner for a near fall. He also did a running shooting star press outside in a good spot. He didn't land it exactly. Uh, he also completely missed a coup de gras, which was weird. Powerhouse Hobbs ran Swerve over outside, and somehow the referee didn't see it, just like we kind of mentioned earlier with Billy Gunn. Starks then hit Rochambeau for the win. There was some good moments in this one, but the finish left a lot to be desired. And even if it was a Schmaz finish, having Swerve lose his second match in AEW to me, is just simply a bad decision. Uh, Keith Lee came out, he beat up a couple random dudes, then they all brawled. This isn't the worst thing to do with Lee and Swerve, but it's hardly the best either, especially with them relegated to Rampage, like I mentioned earlier. It just feels like a missed opportunity to strike while their debuts were hot. I would have loved to have seen them in the TNT title picture, you know, already, right away. On Dynamite, Hobbs and Lee cut those dueling promos that I hate. They do have a match scheduled Friday on Rampage, now, this is actually going to get me excited to watch Rampage, not because the storyline is good or anything like that, because guess what, folks? We are getting some real big meaty men slapping meat. 
That's what I want to see. And that is what is going to go down. On Dynamite, the Jericho Appreciation Society spoke backstage. Chris Jericho did a bunch of WWE references. Daniel Garcia stumbled with his promo and said they featured endeavored some people last week. Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz appeared in a way too convenient spot, and there was a backstage brawl. Jericho and Kingston wound up in the ring, where Jericho ate a spinning backfist. The JAS stopped Santana and Ortiz from hitting Street Sweeper. Hager did a spike slam of Kingston, and then JAS stood on top with a five-on-three beatdown. Garcia put Kingston in a sharpshooter as Jericho beat him with a bat. Then he used his belt. I don't know why he would trade a bat for a belt, but he did. And then it ended with Judas Effect. The beatdown was strong, but the entire thing was way, way too long. I get the whole JAS gimmick has the WWE undertones. I realize what they're doing, okay? I understand the gimmick and and the group and all that type of stuff. But the constant references are extremely off-putting. And I hate using the word cringe, but it's really fitting for their promos these days. I also saw something on Twitter where someone said, hey, Chris Jericho finally got GFY over. No, he didn't. Just because he's now a a shit-eating heel uh, in this group doesn't mean that suddenly GFY is a good catchphrase. It's still absolutely awful, and he's still using it. Sorry, it's true. On Dynamite, we had the Bunny in a Owen uh, tournament qualifying match against a new AEW signing. That was the promotion, and it turned out it was indeed Tony Storm making her debut. After a minute, they went to a double commercial break. The Bunny got a ton of offense and was up on Storm for most of the match, but Storm hit a German suplex and a pile driver for the win. Excalibur called it Storm Zero. It was not Storm Zero. Uh, there's no better paradigm of the way AEW views women's wrestling than how they introduced Tony. They did say that there would be a debut, but there was hardly any hype around it as there was, for example, for Keith Lee. Then Tony debuts in the standard women's segment, no special time, no extra amount of time. AEW goes right to commercial after her debut. Then she gets a short match, doesn't even get a chance to cut a promo or get interviewed by Tony Schiavone afterward. And that was it. It was a total lackluster debut. The good news is she's probably now the best women's wrestler on the entire roster. It's a great signing. If I was booking, she would be champion inside of six to 12 months. Then again, if I was booking, the women's division would actually be good and it would get time on television. By the way, this tournament, the Owen, was announced in September. It doesn't start until May, yet... We still don't really have any details about what it is, how many people are in it, the format, and they're doing qualifiers for it in March. This has been developed in such an extremely weird way that it's something that should feel really super special, but it instead feels like something that was almost just decided and figured out as AEW is going along, and and that is not an ideal scenario. On Rampage, Nyla Rose fought Maddie Renkowski. Nyla said they were purposefully disrespectful to Thunder Rosa last week. Rosa said she has a lot of payback planned for both of them. I believe she said that on Dynamite. Nyla won this match with a powerbomb in under 90 seconds. Uh, It was the only women's match on Rampage. 90 second women's match, a Nyla Rose squash. It was not on Dynamite where Rosa said that, sorry. Dynamite, Rosa actually got her own uh, extended promo. She actually got to speak now that she's champion. She said she's the first Mexican-born women's champion. That is technically true since Bailey wasn't born in Mexico, but she is Mexican-American. Rosa promised to be a foundational part of AEW and said she's ready for all challengers. Then she called out Nyla and basically just said she'd beat her. Not good, not bad, just fine. Uh, Vicky Guerrero later cut a promo uh, entirely off mic. Nyla got angry and said some shit as well, and, and that was really the build. 
On Rampage, Lance Archer fought Dustin Rhodes. Dan Lambert came out with Archer, but Jake Roberts did not. Rhodes escaped Blackout, tricked Archer, and threw him into the exposed turnbuckle before winning with a jackknife cover. Archer then delivered the worst shots into a steel step I've probably ever seen. Dustin's head didn't even come close to hitting it. Then he did a running knee into the barricade and knocked out some of his students with single shots as Dustin bladed. Archer finished with a chokeslam through that random table that's always at ringside. I'm not sure what's worse here, putting Dustin over the number three ranked guy in the men's rankings right now, or thinking we need another feud between Dustin and Lance Archer. Dreadful stuff. The blading was completely unnecessary. Uh, Also on Dynamite, AEW aired a vignette for Marina Shafir that consisted of highlights from AEW dark matches. I honestly didn't even know she was signed here, but good for her. That's, That's great. It was later revealed that Shafir will be Jade Cargill's 30th opponent when she defends the TBS title. And I like that. That's a a good, you know, legitimate fighter who, you know, putting Jade over her, that'll be a significant accomplishment. So that's a really nice booking. I do like that. On Rampage, QT Marshall presented a certificate of accomplishment to Hook in the ring. QT held it up and Hook rammed Aaron Solo's head into it. Danhausen then came out to try to curse Hook, but he just walked away. This was truly one of the worst segments in AEW history. And that's saying a lot. Uh, the fact that AEW, to its general audience, still has not explained Danhausen, let him speak, done anything significant with him, is mind-boggling, honestly. I'm not saying he's some significant character who needs to be getting a ton of TV time, but like they brought this guy in, so utilize him, let people know who he is, get people to buy his t-shirts. They just have him on TV sometimes and expect you to love him. It's very strange. And lastly, on Rampage, Lambert said the TNT Championship will no longer be defended via open challenge. Scorpio Sky said he can't be beaten, and that was it. They didn't explain how they're going to determine opponents. No one stepped up over Rampage or Dynamite to become the next opponent for the TNT Championship. That was the entirety that it was mentioned across both shows. And we also got zero follow-up from Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti, that that really weird segment that they did last week. We didn't see them again. So that is kind of just lingering out there. So again, folks, I, I did not come into this, you know, trying to be especially critical of AEW. I think you all know heading into the last pay-per-view, I was praising the hell out of this company for the last for the prior four episodes of Dynamite that they put on. I thought they were four of the best wrestling television episodes of the entire year from any company. But since the pay-per-view, uh it's been rough straight up and I hope you guys understand why I feel that way even if you don't completely agree. You know, when I watch AEW, I'm just as critical about it as I am about WWE or NXT or anything else and to me, it's just been really messy recently and not captivating. More more important, forget the messy part. The repetitiveness to me is especially annoying. So that's really where we stand right now uh, with Dynamite and Rampage. And because we were only talking about AEW this week, that is it for this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, one of the shorter shows that we have ever done. But it's because we had an absolutely loaded week already and have an absolutely loaded week continuing. Please It is WrestleMania 38 week. Do not miss our WWE WrestleMania 38 Ultimate Preview and NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. Two separate shows that are already in our archives, in our feed list. Be sure to listen to both of those before the big programs this weekend. And do not forget, on Saturday, we will be back with NXT Stand and Deliver Instant Analysis in the afternoon. WrestleMania 38 Night 1 Instant Analysis Saturday night. And then Sunday night, WrestleMania 38 night two instant analysis in between all of those shows we will also give you our live 
audio pre-shows on Twitter spaces. All you need to do is follow us on Twitter at getting overcast. We will send out scheduled reminders uh, for when we're going to decide to do those shows on Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be 30 minute shows, live audio, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, Vintage Chris Benini, and all of you get to participate as well. It is a great way to interact, ask questions, provide comments, share your thoughts ahead of these shows. You can get all of that by following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And as we close out the show, please do not forget that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Tell people why you love the show. Those five-star ratings are super, super important as we continue on this final uh, pathway, I guess. The final you know, quarter mile on the road to WrestleMania 38. We will be back with two shows on Saturday and another on Sunday. But at this moment, the Silver King is just going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.